0: The questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place
1: to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. And tonight we discuss the deep state versus the Constitution. What is really happening behind the scenes? Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. Tonight's special guest is Major Jeffrey Prather, United States Army Retired. He's is a father, husband, warrior, artist, author, actor, soldier, special agent, student, and teacher with over 50 years of real-world experience as a master martial artist, federal law enforcement special agent, firearms instructor, military intelligence officer, and special operator. He has extensive operational experience both domestically and abroad and has taught units of all military branches including many special operations, intelligence, and law enforcement agencies. He has appeared internationally on television, film, and magazines, as a commentator and subject matter expert, and has published books and DVDs. His courses have been taught to tens of thousands of U.S. soldiers and officially certified by Special Operations Units. His website is warriorschool.com, and he joins us directly from Tucson, Arizona, just a stone's throw away from me. Hello, Mr. Prather, and welcome to Veritas. How are you?
0: Good. Thanks for having me, Mel.
1: My pleasure. May I call you Jeff? Certainly. First of all, thank you for your service to our country.
0: You're most welcome. It was a pleasure.
1: I know our soldiers are good people. Let me begin with this. Many of them listen to all of us here, all around the world. I get their emails all the time. But I have to say, sometimes they're not aware they're being used by the military industrial complex. Let's start with that. What percentage of our military force knows there is a military industrial complex and a federal reserve all working together in order to perpetuate wars, 224 out of 239 years of U S history as a nation, 94% of our time as a country in a state of war as a former military officer. I'm curious to, to get your take on this, Jeff.
0: Well, I would say the percentage is probably low because it takes some, uh, Time in and time in grade before uh, you become aware of the military-industrial complex. Of course, you know as a professional warrior, uh, being in a state of war is not uh, unusual. That is the norm for the human condition. Uh, so that's not really so much the issue with me. This the issue is as General and later President Eisenhower brought up who started warning us about this developing military-industrial complex, that is the issue, and that is the problem, and that's one of the vehicles that has then been used by the deep state and the shadow government and the Bilderberg Group and and everyone else. It's not that we need warriors because we're always going to be at war because of human nature, but the way it has been misused is the problem.
1: Before we go get into the deep state, because I think there's going to be a long talk about that, the government is us- you and I we are the government which derives its power from us. Why does it feel Jeff these days as it, as if it's the other way around?
0: Well because it is uh, you know when I was just speaking at the Freedom Expo uh, this year uh, with uh, Sheriff Dave Clark um, the what I say now is our republic has fallen we no longer have a republic and I can give you lots of illustrations why that is true, but the biggest, and most obvious one is uh, that uh, Hillary Clinton literally got away with uh, a limitless number of crimes. And anybody in the military or in federal law enforcement, in the intelligence community knows, and you can ask anybody, that if we had done what she had done uh, with top secret material and she knew about it and she took off the – the um, the caveats and the designators of confidential, secret, and top secret, plus then the um, the sub designators, uh, then we'd all be in jail. And in fact, other people have gone to jail for uh, much less. But the shadow government uh, got her off. So uh, we don't have a republic. A republic would be the law is king. What we now have uh is the king is the law that was certainly true under the obama administration and emerging under the bush administration um but the good news is and i you know i'm very hopeful i don't want to just talk about problems and wine is that that is changing right now dramatically uh for a variety of reasons because of the interest in constitutionality because of the interest in in um carry laws because uh The Second Amendment protects the First Amendment um, because Trump is an outsider. Lots of reasons that uh, things look up. But uh, but right now, our republic is still uh, fallen, And that's what really the drain the swamp uh, effort is about.
1: And I hope we can discuss that because I I, for some reason, I get this feeling that the the, the swamp is not being drained after all. In fact, it's being filled with uh, Goldman Sachs, globalism, and we can talk about that later. But was there a real difference between both the Bush administrations and the Clinton administrations, or is it all the same?
0: No, it's not all the same. And, you know, people who say that uh, is like, well, it's hopeless. They're, they're all the same. First of all, you know, politicians are like uh Stish. They all start to stink, uh, fairly quickly. So you, you choose the, uh, you know, if it's between the an incumbent and somebody coming in, I'll choose somebody coming in. If it's between a civilian and a veteran, I'll choose a veteran. But, you know, you get politicians and government people, you know, I spent my entire career in the government. They're not smarter than the average person. They're simply more ambitious. So lots of times they're, they are less well educated because they spend all their time trying to get elected. Um, the Bush administration, uh, well, Bush one was pretty good because he had a um, a World War Two uh, background. Bush two was not much. Um, you know, there was the huge intelligence failure of nine eleven. He did, to his credit, after that, um, go into Afghanistan, uh, attempting to do. If you're familiar with the Doolittle raid. Going into Afghanistan with special forces, uh, my old unit, uh, within weeks afterwards and wiping out, uh, Al Qaeda within three months, um, was very laudable. But then we got sucked into, um, Iraq and for a variety of reasons. And, um, actually that's when I went back on active duty with the, with the DIA.
1: Now you mentioned the Doolittle Ranch. Can you, can you explain what really happened there?
0: The Doolittle Raid, so after Pearl Harbor, and again, we had broken, you know, as a career intelligence officer, you know, i study this stuff is, uh, you know, we had broken the Japanese code, and we had determined um, through really good Army-Navy intelligence cooperation that they were about to attack, and, you know, Roosevelt was blockading them, uh, Roosevelt knew it was only a matter of time before we had to get into the war, and we needed to get into the war in Europe, uh, not where we were going to where Europe was totally taken over uh, because then trying to launch D-Day from across the, uh, the Atlantic ocean, it was hard enough doing it, um, you know, just uh, from Normandy, um, Normandy. But uh, so, you know, people say, yeah, he pushed us into war. Yeah, he did because we knew we had to do that. But and so the blockade uh, happened with um, Pearl Harbor, uh, you know, Yamamoto, uh, did not want to fight us the the genius he had been in america he liked americans he said you know you think these americans are fat fun love and pushovers they're not um which we are not uh, everybody makes that mistake when they look at us uh, but anyway
1: plus we were armed to the teeth
0: well no we were not we were not prepared at 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 the at the onset of world war 2 our forces were Uh, in a great state of um, disarray.
1: I'm talking about the population. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm talking about the population. If they ever wanted to invade, they knew that our population was armed.
0: And there is a a remark attributable to Yamamoto to that effect. You're you're exactly right. Um, And uh, anyway, after Pearl Harbor, um, Roosevelt wanted to hit back very, very quickly. And so he organized, he had... uh, uh Eventually, General Doolittle come in, come in and uh, figure out how to fly uh, stripped-down Army bombers off of Navy carriers on a one-way, uh, almost suicidal mission to bomb Japan, and he did it, um, and that's the stuff of legends, and I equate um, Bush sending in uh, CIA Special Activities Division uh, to Afghanistan, followed up quickly by... Fifth Special Forces, uh, Operations Detachment, uh, ODA teams, uh, Triple Nickel 555 and 595, uh, an amazing job in doing cavalry, uh, raids on horseback with the Mujahideen. And basically, um, through, uh, soft flamming, which is painting, uh, targets, uh, with IR beams and calling in CAS close air support, virtually, uh, 400, no more than 200 at a time, but 400 total special forces guys along with uh, indigenous Mujahideen wiped out Al Qaeda within three months of 9/11. They were done. They were. It was over. It was complete. Which a lot of people don't don't know that.
1: Okay, that's a great point. So the question is, what happened? Afterwards, did we have to wait until we deposed Saddam Hussein, so that all those unemployed military forces were given another job, which eventually became ISIS?
0: <laughs> well, what? Ha- so you know, I got activated. Uh, this is kind of when everything starts happening with me. Is I got activated within three weeks of um, the I- Iraq invasion because uh, I stayed. Well, I had become a DEA special agent. I stayed in the uh, army reserves as a military intelligence officer. And because of my time in special operations, um, I was recruited into the, eventually into the defense intelligence agencies, human intelligence services. That's, de- that's attaches, spies, interrogators, uh, debriefers. And I was actually recruited to stand up their counterterrorism operations group. But what I ended up doing was running there. I became the branch chief of worldwide operations, running their their worldwide operations center. So I helped prepare the briefs that the DNI, the director of national intelligence, then took to uh, POTUS, uh, President of the United States, uh, every morning. So I have a pretty good handle on an insider's handle on what happened. And what happened was human nature happened. And so special forces... Was always kind of the stepchild, right? As I, um, uh, got through Q course and everything and it became a branch in 88. And, uh, but at the time back then it was a stepchild. Well, when they went into Afghanistan and they were just wiping out, uh, Al Qaeda, then everybody wanted to get in there and get some and participate. And so shortly after that, um, CAG, Christ Action Group, Delta, you call them, and uh, Dev Group Six, SEAL Team Six came in, and there were some. Um, uh, they wanted to get uh, Bin Laden, and the, and there were some disasters that shortly showed up. There was a, a B team, which is a support team, which is what I was on, not an A team, because I was an intel guy. To be totally honest uh, and truthful, down south, and the B team wanted to get into the fight, and they got some guys killed because they had not trained up. Uh, properly, um, but they wanted to go ahead and they wanted to get combat time, which was not their job. Uh, Anyway, then that morphs into, while SOCOM, Special Operations Command, is in Afghanistan, uh, Bush is now uh, developing his doctrine of preemption, which is, okay, we're asleep at the switch. uh, Let's make sure no one else hits us. Who else could possibly hit us? Well, the we now know that the WND threat was real, but it was much exaggerated. And that's because it was intelligence on the one hand, which is not evidence. It's intelligence. It's an indicator. We think this is what they're doing. Um, and also, uh, Rumsfeld really colored the intelligence to go into Iraq so that then the conventional forces could then have their war, too. And that was the real problem.
1: Is this the same intelligence that told us uh, a few days ago that uh, Assad used chemical weapons <laughs> against his uh, people, just like in twenty thirteen? <laughs>
0: yes, that. Yes, and and I and again, I have insider's knowledge of the the WND stuff in Iraq. You know, I work with the guys uh, one floor down, and uh, it was there. Um, But what happened was that right before the invasion, uh, the Iraqi Army commanders that uh, had it got personal calls on their cell phone saying, Hi, this is the United States Army. Uh, We'll be seeing you shortly. If you release that chemical, uh, those WNDs, you're done. If you, uh, don't, uh, you can live through this. Have a nice day. We'll see you soon. Uh, <laughs> comp, uh and also you got to remember that Rumsfeld single sourced this. You never want a single source, one, one intelligent source. You want backup sources that that raises, uh, your probability. But also when you're going around the table with a, a psychopath like saddam which we should remember with uh uh, kim jong un up there another psychopath is you know if i go around the table mel and i say to you and i and you're my chemical weapons guy or you're my artillery guy and i say are our nuclear artillery shells ready or something and they're not and you say no well i slit your throat drill your knees kill your family send the videos to your relatives overseas then when i go over to around to the, the next guy at the table i say hey is your WND stuff ready? What are you going to say? I don't discount. To say, I, I, I don't, you're,
1: you're, go ahead. Go you're ahead. going
0: to say it's ready. You're going to say, yes, sir, it's ready, whether it is or not, because you want to live through this.
1: Oh, of course, and especially now with Kim Jong-un, absolutely. But, you know, Jeff, if you had to look at, a, at the global picture from a forest perspective, uh, you know, as opposed to the trees, it seems that the United States is someone's puppet. Back in the year 2000, we had a few countries – that were not beholden to these central banks. And I don't mean, I don't mean to deviate from our, our, our talk, but it, let me just say this. We had a few countries who were not beholden to the central banks. Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Sudan, Iran, Cuba, and North Korea. Then we had 9-11, and all of a sudden we invade Afghanistan in 2001. Iraq in 2003, central banks are now in place. Libya and Sudan were the last two African countries not linked to the Rothschild Empire. The puppet was now the UN. They're now part of the central banks. Since we seem not to want to fight Iran and Cuba, the Obama administration tried to make friends out of them. Maybe that's, you know, how they'll insert themselves there. Now, there are two countries left that we want to fight, Syria and North Korea. Again, they're not part of the Rothschild banking empire. I'm sure you have connected the dots. Your take on this.
0: Well, the... That's a big question. Um, You know, first, let me say that I do not I was at ground zero, both ground zeros, Pentagon and New York shortly thereafter. And I do not believe that uh, 9-11 was an inside job by the government by by any means. Um, Did you see the plane
1: uh, at the Pentagon, the plane that crashed? Did you see it?
0: Uh, well, I wasn't there at the time, but I talked to people who did see it. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I just want to say that I'm not, uh, saying that this was blown up or anything. The, the evidence, as far as I'm concerned, the evidence is overwhelming that those guys did fly those planes into buildings. And in fact, you know, I do competitive intelligence corporate security now, and one of my, my hero, uh, is the uh, former 101st trooper, from the Mel Gibson we were soldiers days who predicted that they would fly planes into building and got all his people out uh, uh whose name I can't think of right now sorry but i mean there were people aware of the threat now the government uh, in its uh bureaucratic indifference and laziness uh, in the intelligence in the intelligence world always misses everything from pearl harbor to 911 but but to to answer your question the the threat of the Rothschilds controlling uh, and others, other families controlling the world events through war is certainly a proven fact. And if we go back and look at um, the start of World War I, it is started by uh, Danish german and english nobility inbred nobility marrying each other and uh and that's where you can see proof i mean that's in every history book yeah the germans and the brits that's totally open well then you you more you move ahead and morph that these these super rich families that are now more nominally nobility and kings however they still retain their wealth in the I think the Rothschilds are like 500 trillion, half of the world's economy or or some.
2: Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know.